Hey friends, Rachel here. I'm so excited about this episode, but I want to tell you, I think there are a lot of ways that you can give back this holiday season, but I want you to stick around through the break because I want to talk to you about a really unique way that you can give back this holiday season with our partner, Food for the Hungry. All right, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams. And today we're joined by our friend, Jackie Hill Perry. Jackie is truly one of a kind. She is a writer, a speaker. She's a spoken word poet. Most recently, she published a Bible study on the book of Jude. If that tells you anything about Jackie, she will dig into the book of Jude for a year to write a seven-week Bible study on it. We love this friend and sister in Christ, and we think you're going to enjoy this episode. Let's get to it. Well, this is our third week of our Proverbs series, and um, and we have talked through Proverbs that lift our gaze upward to God. We've talked about Proverbs that look inward into our inner life. Um, and this week, we're talking about Proverbs that are about our relationships with like our immediate people, those who um, are around us. And so and next week, we'll get to Proverbs about the world, uh, where there are a lot of, you know, lots of talk about material things and wealth and that that sort of thing. And so this week is um it's a very personal. I think I I don't know if I didn't know, like hadn't recognized it or just had forgotten how personal the book of Proverbs is, especially when you divide it up like this. Like if you're just reading straight through, I feel like it's easy to kind of like la da da da. Oh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. That's interesting. But when you divide it up and actually separate out, for example, these day one, well, day one is Proverbs 31, day two, parents and children. When you look at those as a set, you're like, ouch, like that, you know, it, it really cut it, mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It's interesting in the book of Proverbs, I mean, the way that we arranged the study intentionally was because it's difficult to read the book of Proverbs straight through because it's so many little da, 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 and it's sort yeah. of meant Whippy. to be chewed on, yeah, meditated on. That's a great it, word. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. With the exception of a couple of chapters. There are a couple of chapters in Proverbs that are actually meant, like they are focused on one topic and they are, and they do sort of follow an arc. And we, um, I think, read Proverbs 2 in week one, but this week we actually get two of those chapters. We get Proverbs 31, and then we also get, um, I think it's Proverbs chapter 5, which is um, a chapter about adultery, and it's sort of a standout in that it really does follow an arc and a theme, and like it has, mm-hmm. it tells a story. Um, so it's interesting this week that we get those, but today, for 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 Monday of this week, we get Proverbs 31, which is one of the few Proverbs that were not written by King Solomon. It's either Agar or Lemuel. And I said that wrong for sure. Oh, sounded great. Great, thanks. <laughs> um, I, so I'm curious... I want to ask you to, so that you won't ask me, I want to ask you to, um, like, what's your relationship with this chapter in the Bible? Because I feel like it's complicated. I feel like I have a rather complicated relationship with Proverbs 31. Yeah. Jackie, how do you feel about Proverbs 31? I think originally, I think, um, you know, I was taught or would go to conferences and see devotionals where it was kind of like, this is the kind of woman you're supposed to be. 
and embody perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. And so it felt like this, this really, really, really high standard. And I think um, I've met and know people who now have just kind of this like, eh, like the book itself is off-putting because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when I started to read it and study it and, and listen to it, how it should be heard and how it should be read, it actually made me less pessimistic and, and a lot more encouraged by it. And so that's just kind of how I feel. And I'm encouraged by the fact that she was a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It's something that really appeals to me. It's interesting to me because often when we read scripture that describes a virtuous scenario, but does not describe us, our immediate instinct is like, oh, that must not be what it means. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's interesting with Proverbs 31, because this was a book written in antiquity. Like, so like, there's also like, like weaving your own bedding, you know, like I haven't woven any of the bedding that is on my bed. (laughs) How dare you? So that's tough. Right, right. Um, But at the same time, we would make an error to put that in the place of of antiquity and leave it there. And so Mm -hmm. I also like when there's a hard passage or something that makes me feel like, oh, I also like it's good for us to read it and go like, what is this passage saying? Like, where can this passage like rebuke, correct, train me in righteousness? Because the whole theme of Proverbs is walking in wisdom and like a whole chapter is dedicated to the sort of like this describing one particular virtuous woman or the idea mm-hmm. of a virtuous woman. And and so I do want to like pay attention to it at the same time and go like, okay, well, maybe I don't weave my own flax linen situation. But as I looked at it closer, I loved, I kind of want to read the whole passage that whole 10 through 31, but this is the spoiler. Like, I love that after describing sort of the real, like, nitty-gritty details of the woman, um, verses 25 and 26 say, Strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. Her mouth speaks wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. Um, and I, that verse 23, that strength and honor are her clothing, it doesn't say she is strong. And she yeah. is honorable. It says oh, she is clothed in strength and yeah. honor. It's that, like we read, um, I think in week two from Proverbs 18, that says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Yeah. The righteous run to it. Yeah. That the strength is the Lord's and that we're clothed in his strength. Mm-hmm. Which feels like, uh, I think that's Colossians, where it says put on compassion and kindness and meekness. Mm-hmm. And like, it feels that way. Like clothe yourself. And yeah. something that's actually not natural to you. You, you know, you have right. to get it from somewhere else, another source. So, I think that as I read it this time, I tried to, because I can, I'm just going to be honest, I can kind of roll my eyes at this a little bit or I have in the past. I won't say whether I did that this time. I'm so sorry. Um, you asked us our opinion of Proverbs 31 and then we never turned it around and asked you. No, yeah. no, no, no. This is great. This is what I wanted to hear. Okay, good. Because I want to see what you think about this. I, as I was reading it this time, after each kind of like verse or section, I would sort of write in the margin, okay, what is this saying about her? Like, what is this saying about her character? Um and and that was helpful to me. So, for example, if we just started in in the first verse, in verse 10, who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. So, okay, that to me, I read that and I think, oh, she's a safe place for her people. 
Yeah. Like they can trust her because um, she she seeks their good. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. So, I mean, she seeks the good of her people, mm-hmm. right? Verse 13, she selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. So she's willing to work. She's a hard mm-hmm. worker. And and so when I kind of remove, like you said, the the immediate context of the world in which... The wool and the flax. Right. The wool and the flax world and think, okay, what is this saying about her character? Um, that made it, I want to say more palatable, but I don't, I don't know if that's the right way to, way to say it. Because, because I, often it the scripture it, is not palatable. Because scripture is often anything but palatable. <laughs> and it's not it our job to feel, make it. Yeah. It makes it feel possible. There. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's what it feels like to me where it's like, because even the, the phrase excellent, it already feels <laughs> like a very, very high standard. Like this is just uh-huh. some idealism that I'm not able to live up to. Um, but to say, oh, to be trustworthy, to to work hard, I can do that. Yeah. But how can I do that in a way that's wise? Because yeah. obviously that's going to be the, the greater emphasis because anybody could work. But am I working wisely? Am I doing what I need oh, to do? Yeah. Do I have the integrity needed to be a trustworthy woman? Yeah. And, and I like, Amanda, what you said about that. Oh, what was it? In verse 11, you said the heart of her husband trusts in her and, and he will not lack anything good. Like that she is a blessing to her family. Yeah. And that's not... And also that a husband would be a blessing to his family. Like this is this is both. Yeah. I mean, I think what we're getting is a picture. It's like a live action. Here are the things that she does. But like what's behind all these things that she does? Like how, uh, you know, it feels like taking it a step, a step back. I would let, let's, let's do read it. Jackie, would you be willing to read for us a little bit? Who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will not lack anything good. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. She evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hands to the spinning staff and her hands hold the spindle. Her hands reach out to the poor and she extends her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all in her household are doubly, doubly, I don't know, clothed. (laughs) She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. Her mouth speaks wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. Thanks be to God. Thank you for reading that, Jackie. No problem. It feels like it's been a long time since I've gotten to hear you just go along with scripture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back in the back in the days when we used to get to 
travel and like be yeah. at events together. One of my favorite thing of being at an event with Jackie was she would get up on on the podium and her mouth would open and out would come scripture. Yeah, it's eventually and eventually there would come a point where wait, wait, she's she's quoting scripture. Wait, she's still quoting scripture and then you just like keep going and we're like, "Yes, yes, yes." <laughs> I maintain that I would like a Jackie Hillberry version um, of the Bible, not not your own version, but an audio version. Yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh huh. I'd like that yeah. very much, please. It, it would be Revelation would be my favorite part. We'll start Ooh, there. Yeah. I would be so dramatic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just really talk with your hands when you get to yeah, that part. It would be a, it would be a thing. Okay. Speaking of hands, I want to talk about the hands again because as you were reading this, yeah. Do you know you know the song Grandma's Hands? Mm-hmm. No, Bill Withers. It's Bill Withers. Grandma's hands oh. on Sunday morning. That's yes, that. Please never yeah. stop singing. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, I will. I must. <laughs> <laughs> That's what. That was the image that came to mind. Was like, oh, her hands are so symbolic mm. of her heart. You know, like the things that she's doing with her hands. That she's she's working. She's caring for her family. There's I see justice in what she does with her hand. Like yeah. she rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. Mm-hmm. Um, she Her hands reach out to the poor. Yes, her hands reach out to the poor. She extends her hands to the needy. I, I love that. And that reminds me of, you know, I can picture my grandmother passed many years ago um, but I can still picture her hands mm-hmm. in my mind yeah. and like I can picture my mom's hands right now and my dad's and there's just something about that. Um, mm-hmm. I really like that image. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. I, um, my grandma Marveline, who we, I wrote about in our book, she one time said to me that there came a, there came a point in her life where she would put on a shirt and her mother's hand would come through the sleeve like and by that she meant that like she realized she was getting older mm. like to like see that like that doesn't even look like my hand like i recognize that hand but it's the hand that i looked at when i was little isn't that yeah, interesting yeah. but yeah. like to take that a step further and like to if we have that heritage of of women in our lives who have raised us and have put their hands to work to love the needy and the poor like it's it's sweet also to think like i want to see my mother's hand mm-hmm. pulling through my shirt and like it, it, if that is the work that she puts her hands to yeah and i want my hand to pull through hazel's shirt sleeve one day <laughs> and, <laughs> and that, for that sounds to... crazy but you know what i mean yeah, yeah yeah and for that to be a pleasant thing and for, for that to, to be a blessing yeah yeah i have my dad's unfortunately um, they're very short and stubby, <laughs> but, but the concept still. The, the concept, the yeah. spirit yeah. of this. <laughs> yeah, hands are so intimate. Yeah, which, they are. Which is what I, I like. They really are. Yeah. There's a question on this that goes along with this day, question three, that says, who are the godly women in your life? And that's kind of you know what you're talking about, Rachel. Yeah. Um, what have you learned from them about wisdom? And... It was that question convicted me <laughs> because mm-hmm. it reminded me how much we need the generation that goes ahead of us, mm-hmm. that how mm-hmm. how much we have to learn from them, and also how much the generations that come behind us need us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, and not just our children mm-hmm. um, or our nieces and nephews and neighbors, but like in in our church, mm-hmm. um, in our local churches, the the girls in youth group, the girls in the college group, the the kids who are in you know Sunday school, like they need the benefit. We, we are the older people in their lives, yeah. And it's sometimes hard to remember because you know I don't know if you guys do this thing, but sometimes I forget that I age. It just feels like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> oh no, I am I am aging, and my body mm-hmm. reminds me I'm doing my my near. Let's see, what do you call it? My reading vision is is gonna go soon. Like I can tell that it's coming. I'm mm-hmm. gonna need reading glasses in the next six months. It's just <laughs> I can feel it happening. Readers. And, Yes, I'm going to need readers. Yeah. I'll get some cute ones. It'll be fine. But mm-hmm. um, but things like that remind me, you know, but it's like, oh, this is not mentoring and bringing up the next generation is not something for me to do later. This is now. Yeah. This is right now. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, we could influence the, we could influence um, younger women's relationship with this proverb we can teach them how to read this Mm -hmm. and to not open it and see proverbs 31 and think "Ugh, that one you know Mm -hmm. because that's kind of how i was for a while i was like oh i don't this is not real this is naive yeah i think for me uh that's something that i've i've really tried my best to stress and communicate as much as possible is how pivotal um, and important it is to have wise women in your world. Like it's just it because it, for me it's been transformative continually. Yes. Um, just even through different seasons, you know, when I was a a new believer, I had a, a wise woman in my life to simply teach me how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to have self control, you know, how yeah. to watch my mouth, and then I transitioned into this season of. Uh, dating and, and then marriage. And I needed a woman, a wife who had been a wife to help me mm-hmm. learn how to do that. Then I got pregnant. It's like, oh, now I need wisdom on how to mother well. So it's just like, man, I just don't know what I would have done without them. You know, yeah. I would have made a way. I probably would have read some books. But to have someone that not only teaches, but models uh, was was just, I can't, yeah, I just can't thank God enough for giving me that counsel. And I think that it is good for us to look at Proverbs 31 and, and love the woman described here. Mm-hmm. And as women, point others to, to Scripture, to this instruction. And, like, it excites me to think about also getting to be walking, breathing women of noble character. Yeah. And, right. and and so like what does it look like for me to embody strength and honor are my clothing? I can laugh at the time to come. My mouth speaks wisdom and loving instruction is on my tongue. Okay. If yes, like we can go to Proverbs 31 and read that. I want to live that in a way that communicates what scripture says to the people who come into contact with me. Like I want yeah. to be mm-hmm. I want to be an example of this because this is what scripture describes as the ideal, like the ideal of what it looks like as a as a woman and a wife to walk with the Lord, to treasure wisdom, to care for the needy and the poor. I want to do that. Yeah. And ideal in that it embodies the fruit of the Spirit. Right. You know, right. it embodies yeah. um, the values mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, well. And this is just one place in Scripture that talks about how to be any human of noble character. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing that I actually 
was really grateful to see that that we that we the team had put into this this book that in the second question is what does this picture of a virtuous woman reveal about what it means to be a virtuous person man or woman yeah and i was like oh yeah <laughs> like the values mm-hmm. the principles mm-hmm. are the same mm-hmm. yeah um and so it's it i think sometimes has been put upon women like a lot of i i think there are times where this this passage of scripture has been spoken at us <laughs> Hmm. You know, like at women, instead of being something to lift us up and point our gaze to God um, and and to the fruit of the Spirit and to the character of God and the person of Jesus. And so I am just really thankful for conversations like this where we can remember, okay, yes, this corrects and instructs me, but it does so from the love of the Father, yeah. not um, from the the heavy burdensome expectations of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's a difference. Yeah, I think I think Proverbs 31 is humbling on both ends yes, because there's some people that could read it and be like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> that's me." What do you mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My husband definitely trusted me. You know, yeah. I, they're not afraid of snow on their roof at all because of me. <laughs> you know, and so I think it can humble you to say, "No, you need the Spirit." To yeah. be this virtuous, but it's also humbling to the person who reads and said, "This is impossible. I cannot be this." There, this is. And it's like, yeah, you're right, but the spirit, you know, right. I think it, it puts both the arrogant and the insecure in a position to trust God to be the virtuous wife that they're called to be. And for every one of us to come to that passage and and see that there is room for for the Lord to grow us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's so much of. Not just that passage, but all of these passages. I mean, we go in the next day's reading, the topic is parents and children. Mm-hmm. And I mean, <laughs> uh, nothing <laughs> nothing can make me more aware of my flaws and sinful nature more quickly than my shortcomings as a parent mm-hmm. and yes. in what my relationship with my kids um reveals in me. I, I found this, um, the introduction to this day really helpful. So I'd love to read it if that's okay. It says, the last words in the Old Testament tell us the Messiah will, quote, turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Healing one is broken between them. That's in Malachi 4.6. Few relationships carry greater room for pain or influence than the parent-child relationship. The book of Proverbs does not assume this relationship is easy or naturally healthy, but it does acknowledge that it has the capacity to shape a young person's life in beautiful and lasting ways. I just really appreciate that because it's so, it resonates so deeply. We talked about this a little bit when we were reading the book of Ephesians and we were reading about unity. And our first step in our discussion about unity was, of course, like unity in the church. But as we started talking about parents and children in the book of Ephesians, we were kind of realizing that that generational unity is not only important, but it begins in the parent-child relationship. You know, and we, you know, we started talking about that our kids don't exist for us, but that we exist for our kids. And so as 
this this parent-child relationship, I love what we what you just read, Amanda, because it talks about it doesn't assume that this relationship is easy, but it is acknowledging that this relationship has the capacity to shape a young person's life. Yeah. That's like this primary relationship. And and so I'm thankful anytime there are a lot of things that scripture is unclear about. This is something that scripture is not unclear about. Yeah. Um, and that Proverbs especially just gathers so much wisdom and advice for parents and for children about this really, really, really important human relationship that may not be perfect. Because we can talk about our relationship Never with perfect. our it's, it's not. Even, Thank you. Even yes. great relationship, like really healthy parent child relationships are so far from perfect. Yeah. Well, and. We can talk because this will immediately, if you have kids, probably cause you to think about your relationship with your kids. But we also have relationships with our parents, and right. and sometimes we, if we are parents, we want to read the the advice to parents, and maybe aren't quite interested in reading the advice to children about relationships mm-hmm. with. Well, our I'm grown parents. now. I'm mm-hmm. grown. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that. Yeah, I'm. I'm I think it's cool to. To one, know that like parent-child relationships have always been difficult. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like it's not the it's not our era or our decade or our cultural position that makes parenting hard. It is it's just humanity. Yeah. That's just kind of how it is. But to know that like God would also place these proverbs in the scriptures for us to have some help, some divine help mm-hmm. <laughs> as to how to see it and do it. Because the thing is, it's difficult, man. Yeah, yeah. Man. one of the questions for that day's reading, um, day 16, asks, um, why do the actions of a child have so much impact on the hearts of his or her parents? Like, why does it matter to us so much that our children live well, do well? Yeah. Proverbs 10, one says, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son heartache to his mother. Yeah. Mm. And I just put... <laughs> good question (laughs) like that's a great question of why it is that way and I find it hard to put into words I think that part of the answer to that question though actually comes in the other question for the day that asks in what ways can the parent-child relationship uniquely cultivate understanding of the gospel in our lives like I think Mm. that part of the reason that we care so much about our children, the decisions they make, these things, um, their souls. The reason I sit on my daughter's bed at night when she's asleep and pray for the Lord to pursue her, you know, mm-hmm. um, it is because I think we we also get to see that relationship in the gospel. We get to see that relationship in our relationships with the Father. Like we love yeah. because He first loved us, right? Yeah. And so we know what it is like to be cared for beyond reason. Yeah. And I think that part of th- that's maybe part of why we care for our kids beyond reason. Yeah, I think, I mean, our children are an extension of us. They're our DNA. You know? Yeah, or not, or yeah. by, either by blood or by choice. Like, Yeah, there's, there's a connectedness yeah. that is just different. Um, as compared to any other relationship mm-hmm. that we might have, and there's there, there's this 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 I think overwhelming sense of responsibility that like 
how you are and who you are to a certain degree feels so dependent upon me. Yeah. You know? And so how you behave then affects me. Did I do something wrong? Have I not shown you Jesus right? Should I discipline you? Should I be quiet? Do you need a hug right now? Should we pray? <laughs> like, <laughs> so I, I think it's just this continual mm-hmm. tension of, you know, yes, how you are and who you are is dependent upon me, but how do I also give that trust and faith to God that he... Yes is ultimately, you know, you're made in his image above all. So there's a line in the passage in this day from Proverbs 23 and there, the first line of verse 26 just kind of knocked me over a little bit. And this is, this is Solomon speaking. He says, my son, give me your heart and let your Mm -hmm. eyes observe my ways. And I thought, man, that is, that is a bold request (laughs) because I, I both want my, you know, because the idea here being you give me your heart because I'm going to show you the heart of the Father, the mm-hmm. heart of God, right? Yeah. And and I want that, but I also want to be worthy of that with my mm-hmm. children. I want it. So if they, they've given me their hearts, well, now what? Like, am I, <laughs> am I holding their hearts? Um, with care and with love and am I showing them the heart of the father? And it is just, it is such a deep, deep well of emotion (laughs) and of longing. Like I long for my kids to, to have um, a, a lifelong relationship with the Lord. I also long for them to just know how to be good humans, like for them to know how to do things like pick up after themselves, yeah. cook a meal, um, be kind to those around them. And so it's sometimes for me as a parent is hard to, to hold both of those things <laughs> because I don't always succeed in seeing how they feed into one another. But yeah. And so you're going to be doing, you've got, you got a third on the way, girl. We're going to do, you just, you got, you and Preston are doing a great job. Great job. I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> I, I think really you are so. because I know how much, like overthink it is the wrong word, but I, I feel you when you say like that, that we're just constantly going like, what do they need right now? Like, do they need a hug right now? Do do you need me to pray with you right now? Would praying yeah. with you right now be the actual wrong choice? Like what yeah, how right. do I disciple you, you big cute puzzle? Like how do <laughs> I and I we read from Proverbs one, eight and nine last week, um, because I was too eager and I jumped ahead. But I'm gonna read it again because I think I'm even seeing it in a little bit different light this week. In light of the conversation of parents and children, it says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't reject your mother's teaching, for they will be a garland of favor on your head and pendants around your neck. And we were, I was excited to talk about it last week. So I was like, Yeah, listen, you know, listen to these instructions. Like these are going to beautify your life, like to yeah. wear a flower crown of wisdom. Um, but reading it this week in the context of parents and children and thinking of it as a parent, how am I beautifying my child's life? How mm-hmm. am I laying flowers of garland on their heads? How am I imparting wisdom, God's wisdom yeah. to them? I want to beautify their lives with yeah. with this as the good thing. And so when we're puzzling, yeah. Jackie, over like, 
how do we do this well? It's good to puzzle over that. Yeah. And I, and I think I'm in a stage with having a five-year-old and a two-year-old where there's so much mystery, you know, because yep. one, I, my children aren't all the way rational yet, <laughs> but also it's, I, it's harder to see the fruit of it because you're five. And right. so it's, Little. it's yeah. like, it's like, man, will this sink in? Is this sinking in? Will you become better? Will you be wiser? Like, will you like put the garland on? Right. <laughs> I don't, I don't well, know. You wear so this there, pendant. Yeah. There's so much faith that like what yeah. the season yeah. I'm sowing. That's good. Like will bear fruit one day. God willing. Yeah. I'm glad you said the word faith, Jackie, because I, man, it's so easy to just oh, think, yeah. in, even in this co- even in this conversation that we just had in the last ten minutes, for me to think, "Oh man, am I doing this right? Um, this is all up to me." And and it's it's not. Yes, be diligent. Yes, you know all the things. But ultimately, to trust God with my children is one of my top to dos. You know, it should be, and and to just have faith that. Like Russ said in week one that you um, train a child up in the way he should go and he will not depart from it. And he's like, but what if they are departing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just you you just have to trust the Lord. And um, easier said than done. Hey, friends, Rachel here. I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about Food for the Hungry. Nine years ago, when my kids were still little, we started talking to them about the needs of people around the world and about how important it is to have access to basic things like food, clean water, education. We had recently become familiar with Food for the Hungry, and we loved the way that they operate. In addition to meeting the physical needs of thousands of communities, it's amazing to know that all of their work is being done with the message of the gospel. When Food for the Hungry enters a community, they're listening for the immediate needs in the surrounding area, and they partner with local churches and families, and they develop local leaders. Thousands of some of the most vulnerable communities are now sustainably thriving. So in our home, when we were talking to our kids about the needs of people outside of our home, we were thrilled to partner with Food for the Hungry by sponsoring a couple of kids. Hazel chose a little girl named Olga from Guatemala, and Oliver chose a 12-year-old little boy named Kendi from Haiti. And of course, he chose Kendi because his description said that he loved to play soccer. I have to say that I had a feeling that Ollie would kind of understand what we were doing and get a little bit on board, but that kid was all in. Five-year-old Oliver ran up the stairs, disappeared for a minute, and came back down with his orange elephant bank, and he taped Kendi's picture to the front of it, and thus began the Myers Family Food for the Hungry Savings Bank. That was over nine years ago, and after nine birthdays and Christmases and countless letters back and forth, Kendi and Olga have now graduated from the program. It's amazing to see how such a simple thing like rounding up spare change can help with such a complicated issue. Food for the Hungry makes it even easier now to give back by rounding up your spare change to give towards their work in still over 3,000 communities where they're actively serving today. Here's what I want you to do. If you have your phone nearby, pick it up and text the word FOOD to 484848. And you can learn how you can round up your purchases to the nearest dollar and donate your extra change to the efforts of Food for the Hungry. 
Okay, let's get back to the show. Oh, and one more thing. Guys, I am so excited about Advent coming up. It is so soon, and it is going to be great this year. Our four-week Advent study book is just like every other study book we do because it has the daily scripture readings in it, but it's different from every other study book we make because it is chock full of seasonal good stuff. We've got recipes and crafts and Christmas carols and just general Christmas merriment. You guys are going to love these books. Also, we have some really exciting things coming up in our social media accounts beginning December 1st. We haven't told anybody. You have to wait and see for yourself. So make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at at SheReadsTruth. Also, if you want to get your study book in time to read along with the community, you have to order by midnight November 6th. That's this Friday to get it in time with standard shipping. Guys, we are so excited to experience this season with you and to remember the profound miracle that Jesus Christ is born. Okay, now actually back to the show. Well, I feel like it's we need to just lighten the topic a little bit by turning the page and going on to day 17, which the topic is adultery. No big deal. <laughs> I really thought you were lightening the load. <laughs> no, sorry. I'm talking about a real bait oh, and switch. Hold on, let me Here see if go. we're going to get to... We get you adultery know, and then connection, or sorry. It's just not Correction, really gonna, not connection. It's not really going to happen for us yeah. in this conversation. Because uh, yeah, in my mind, I was like, what is light in Proverbs? I <laughs> no, really nothing. Yeah. Nothing. That, nothing. That was a real trap. Um, this, is a, this is a topic. Um, yes, it is. Again, I'm, I'm grateful for the framing that mm-hmm. we get in this in this uh, day's reading, because, you know, we know that do not commit adultery. That is one of the Ten Commandments. Very important to the heart of the Lord. But I appreciate this, where it says in this introduction, but Proverbs adds a layer of complexity to that law by discussing the path that can lead to this particular sin. Often the act of adultery is a product of walking a long and dangerous road of seduction. This seduction can come through another human being or through the unchecked longings and unaddressed pain in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Oof. Word of the week. Oof is was the word the of the week. Was that the word last week, too? Yeah, repeatedly. <laughs> Just oof. And it's true. It's true that, like, a, and here's where we get what you pointed out, Rachel, Proverbs 5. Mm-hmm. We get the whole chapter this Mm-hmm. Week, which is unusual in this reading plan for us to get um, a chapter of reading on one topic, yeah. and it you in in Proverbs uses a narrative like it, it creates imagery and not just like two lines, mm-hmm. not something quippy, but um, pretty drawn out. And so, why why is that? We read some of this for us, Ray. Yeah, I'll read um, from five, starting in seven. Um, It says, so now, sons, listen to me. And this is Solomon talking. Don't turn away from the words from my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Who is the her? And the the her here is um, the forbidden woman Okay, uh, that is discussed in verse 3. And in in verses 3 through 6, we get this, like, in the end, she's as bitter as wormwood. Um, Her feet go down to death. Her steps head straight for Sheol. So, like, keep your ways far from her is what we're saying. Verse 8, keep your way far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Otherwise, you will give up your vitality to others and your years to someone cruel. Strangers will drain your resources and your hard-earned pay will end up in a foreigner's house. At the end of your life, you will lament when your physical body has been consumed 
and you will say, how I hated discipline and how my heart despised correction. I didn't obey my teachers or listen closely to my instructors. I'm on the verge of complete ruin before the entire community. And then verses 15 through 23 are a little bit their own section. And so it's sort of a like, that's, you know, this is the story. This is the cautionary tale of what can happen. And then it comes this fresh instruction from verse 15. And it says, drink water from your own cistern, water flowing from your own well. Should your springs flow in the streets, streams in the public squares, they should be for you alone and not for you to share with strangers. Let your fountain be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth. And then it goes on and it says, a wicked man's iniquities will trap him and will become tangled in the ropes of his own sin. That that word picture mm-hmm. there is, um, is so vivid. And it says he will die because there's no discipline and be lost because of mm-hmm. his great stupidity is what scripture says. I mean, that's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah. And for <laughs> this instruction, for this caution, it is not unclear. Again, I, I was saying earlier that there are oh, yeah. places in Scripture that don't feel quite clear. And there are places <laughs> mm-hmm. in Scripture that feel just explicitly clear. Yeah. And I think that when we were just one day previous, we were talking about parents and children and some of the Proverbs in that day talked about discipline, and then some of the Proverbs in the day to come about correction will talk about discipline. But even here we get this, he will die because there is no discipline and be lost because of his great stupidity, Like even like that self-discipline. Or from others. I mean, now we've had people in our lives, oh, yeah, David and true. I have, yeah. who have been very clear with us, especially at the beginning of our marriage, so like, hey, you're not immune to this. You may feel like there is no way that you would ever cross these lines mm-hmm. um but you will if you mm-hmm. if you walk that path if you give yourself that opportunity i appreciate that so much because that you're saying like we're not immune to this because i think it's easy to think that we are oh yeah i think it's easy to think like well you know that'll never happen to me um but proverbs doesn't what you read in the introduction is not like, okay, well, there's just, you know, do not commit adultery, Exodus 20. Instead, Proverbs is going like, hey, be real, but seriously, be really careful. Like verse eight and nine of of chapter five, it says, keep your way far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Like it's Mm -hmm. this like, be more careful than you think you need to be. Um, Don't don't trust yourself. Don't trust yourself. (laughs) That's not a popular thing to say in our current culture yeah but no i think that's what scripture says often yeah because i mean if you're if you're self-aware enough by knowing that the heart really is deceitful um then we need to know that we cannot trust it (laughs) like it it will rationalize seduction and make it minor and small yeah it's not really that big of a deal um I, i think when i was even reading proverbs this morning and I came across this. I'm just always reminded. I, I do think that how clear it is and how uh, specific it is. It it's encouraging, I guess you could say. Yeah. Okay. Um, but also like the language describing or the language used to describe those who do you know follow the the woman's path. It's like, oh, this is stupid. It didn't even just say foolish. It just said stupid. Just, just stupid. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're right, because I think the world won't communicate stupidity. It, it, it communicates freedom. Yeah. 
uh, autonomy. You know, you just fell out of love. And so you needed to find some joy elsewhere. And it's like, no, you're just being stupid. <laughs> that, and that's what the Bible says. This I, ancient literature that. says, no, you're just being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for pulling those punches. But I mean, here's the thing. This is not something you don't get a take back when it comes to this stuff. Like, uh, I mean, the Lord can redeem marriage, broken relationships, and that includes broken marriages. Yes. Redemption is his specialty. We yes. Say. But that is, I think what I'm reading in this is this is not something you want to play around with. This yeah. is not a joke. Yeah. And, and that is what, I mean, I st- we still talk about it. David and I have been married 17 years. And occasionally we will remember when this particular man, like a father figure, a, f- a friend of his father's um, in his life, pulled him aside and said, don't, don't be stupid, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And this is a very a godly man who loves his, mm-hmm. his, his family, mm-hmm. and, um, but has also experienced in his immediate circle the damage yeah. that adultery can do and or the not can do the damage adultery does yeah and um and he just said do not fool yourself yeah um and there is forgiveness and there is beauty in forgiveness there is a path forward there is all of those things but even in that path forward there's a lot more to navigate yeah yeah so Jackie when you look at proverbs 5 like what is standing out to you what are you saying yeah, I think the introduction and how it used the word seduction, yeah. mm-hmm. um, that that stands out to me because seduction is always so uh, what seems small, you know, like yeah. just just little taking little liberties to right. to to open yourself up to do little things. But as you said earlier, how it says like don't go near the door of her house, and how um, I think when sin. Um, and foolishness is starting to grab a hold of the heart. It really does affect the mind mm-hmm. where you see uh, just going over the house <laughs> isn't a problem. That's extreme. Yeah. That's intense. I'm just I'm just going to have a conversation. But And so I'm, I'm grateful that the Proverbs is warning us of things that can look okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're not <laughs> because they're leading to Sheol. They're leading... Um, to death, or even how in verses uh, 15 and 16 and 17 and 18, there's this kind of um, this use of like your own cistern, your own well. Um, uh, They should be for you alone. Like your spouse is yours. Everybody else is off limits. Glory in the fact that you have a covenant and a commitment to a person that does rightfully belong to you and you have the freedom to enjoy them and take pleasure in them and don't let the devil or your flesh steal that from you. And so I think seeing that like kind of not ownership in a negative way, but in a beautiful way, like a covenantal ownership, I think kind of encourages me just even now and today to say, oh, you're mine. So let me enjoy <laughs> let me you. enjoy you. You know, yeah. I don't know if you remember, Jackie, you're younger than me, so maybe you don't remember. But the, yes. um, I like you said, yes, <laughs> thanks for that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we look the same. Um, back in like maybe the 90s or 80s or probably even before that, um, a thing people would do is have a sitting room. And they would have, oh, and yeah. they would have, 
not only a beautiful piece of furniture, but they would go so far to protect it as to cover mm-hmm. it in plastic. Yes. Um, my grandmother's, okay. my mother, okay. my aunt's. There we go. Yes. Uh-huh. So, like, fabric can be cleaned, right? So, like, if we spill on it, like, what's the big deal? But, like, the thing yeah. was like, nope. Like, we're not even, like, we are going to be so careful with this thing that mm-hmm. is so precious to us, so beautiful to us, that we're going to, like, extreme, make it, like, we're going to cover it in plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and A of all, like, what a what an oddity of, of life. I love this analogy. I'm very <laughs> excited. Keep going. But to me, that feels like what it means to protect the good thing that God has given us, um, to, mm-hmm. to protect ourselves from temptation, is don't even go by the door of that house. Let's yep. Yes, it can be cleaned up, but... You know what? Don't even go near that. Let's wrap this good thing in plastic. Like, let's protect (laughs) it and guard it to the extreme. Like you were saying, Jackie, like, what's the big deal? Just going to go have a conversation, whatever the thing is. But no, Mm -hmm. let's be so careful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is, it's a good analogy because it's not always... Uh, to heed this, to heed this advice, to heed these warnings, is not always going to make sense to other people. Yeah, but we, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I was about to say we know our hearts. I think we do, kind of, <laughs> but right. but not fully. But you know, I I want to be. I would rather go to the extreme of protecting my marriage than to be nonchalant and open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ourselves like open myself up to a vulnerability um you know it's just like don't give the devil a foothold yeah. i mean and this and this proverb exposes what what will happen yeah you know because we delude ourselves uh well temptation will delude us into thinking that its end is life mm-hmm. A better kind of love, mm-hmm. more enjoyment that, you know, our body and our pleasures will be revitalized. But he's like, no, it's leading to instability. It's leading mm-hmm. to death. And that is a fact. Yeah. And so even if it doesn't feel deadly, yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. And so the wise, I think, would consider this as true, despite its contradiction uh, to however we suppose our lives will end up if we do decide to follow uh, the forbidden woman or man. Yeah. I, I appreciate that it is a story, right? that yeah. uh, that first part, because it could be a list of like, here's why it's wrong. But instead, it's just mm-hmm. like, let like this is what like this is what this path kind of looks like. But mm-hmm. let me play that tape to the end. If you're not willing yeah. to, if you can't see what where this goes, let me tell you where it goes, yeah. son mm. or daughter. Yeah. yeah. We had a, a day or a reading day earlier in this study on seduction and strength. And I... The Proverbs reading plan is just a real, <laughs> real light read. Yeah. I'm, I'm here yeah, for it. Yeah, it's good. Um, but this to me speaks... Yes, to the sin of adultery, um, sexual immorality. It also speaks to just the way that sin, sed- other sin, seduces me, and how you know I I can be that you hear those whispers of like oh, this is really not a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's that, just yeah. re- it's just really not a big deal to um, to do a little dance with uh, this form of idolatry or. 
you know, gluttony or pride or whatever it is. And, and the thing that I appreciate about Proverbs is that it is teaching us that wisdom is a way that it is mm. not um, yeah, even a destination. It's not a, it, it's not easily acquired. It is something that it takes time and, um, and it takes, it, it takes walking. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and even in that picture, what we, what Proverbs has offered us is this wisdom, like is a garland to your head and it will beautify mm. your life. Whereas, sin will lead to destruction, whether it be the mm-hmm. sin of adultery or another sin, whatever seduces us, sin always ends in death. But yeah. God. Mm-hmm. Well, moving on. <laughs> moving right along to the next day. Correction. Correction. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Aren't we having a nice morning? <laughs> Tell me how bad I am. <laughs> Jackie, I hope we don't send you into labor. I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> But there are so there are a generous handful of proverbs about mm-hmm. correction mm-hmm. and being open to mm-hmm. correction and how stupid since we've already used that word mm-hmm. since scripture used that <laughs> word used my kids that aren't word. allowed to say mm-hmm. stupid but if the Bible says it well I mean, hey. yeah, here we are yeah. if God breathe yeah, <laughs> how just s- quoting scripture mom how stupid it is to be closed off to correction yeah yeah yeah. Oh, that's dumb. That's dumb. Yeah. yeah. It just is. And I mean, this is not just a word for our kids. This is a word for me. Mm-hmm. Having the humility to know at any stage of life, wherever we are, whatever our walk with the Lord, having the humility to know that that we don't know all there is to know. Um, yeah. the, and that we, yeah. um, honestly, that encourages me and almost inspires me to just like pursue correction Maybe mm-hmm. even more actively in my life than I do. Like, hey, yeah. you know, it's you know, it's David in Psalm one thirty nine. Like, seek, search me and know me. See if there's any any way in me yeah. that isn't right. Um, and so, first going to the Lord and saying, Lord, correct me. Yeah. Like, how can you reshape? How can you conform, reform mm-hmm. me? Um, but then going to the people in my life that I trust, that I know are walking with the Lord, that I know who love me. Um, yeah. That's like that. That is why community and like human relationship matters so much because we can be that for each other, and we need those people. Yeah, I've often had to ask myself the question: what What am I believing about myself that makes me not want to be corrected? Oh yeah, and 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 often there's this this image I've created that I'm beyond it. Mm-hmm. You know. Or there's this uh, people-pleasing part of me. It's like, oh, you see a flaw? So you you see something wrong? Like, I'm not this, like, great person to you? Like, you you weren't able to see past the, like, good speech and communication skills? You actually saw that there's a flawed person behind all of that? And so I think both of those uh, I have to kill. You know, I have to kill this image of myself that is not true. Because uh, the truth is, is that God is still working. And so the fact that he's still working means I'm not finished. And if I'm not finished, I still need somebody to tell me the parts of me that yeah, are broken. That's good. Yeah. And I will be wise to accept it. Listen to this. Listen, uh, sometimes the CSB version just really comes through for us. <laughs> Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. So that's kind of, I mean, speaks right to what you're saying. Like, we actually mm-hmm. should love it and crave it. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but one who hates correction is 
Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> so there it is. Just mincing words. I like that word. It is. So I want to also read Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. And then I just just want to hear y'all's thoughts on this because listen to this. Verse 5. Better an open reprimand than concealed love. I'm going to pause. That one took me some time to unpack. Yeah. Like I opened my study Bible for that one. Like what's going on here? Yeah. And what did you see? Well, with the open reprimand, um, it's it. This is this is I think um, a situation that is is between two people who are um, seeking to walk in wisdom. So like this has to mm. be um, in in the context of the gospel. But to be op- for me to openly reprimand Amanda is better than for me to conceal my love for her. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're repri- because if you're walking I love in the gospel, you, the reprimand yeah. is out of love. In both of these, love is at play. Yeah. The act of open reprimand is an act of love, um, and then concealed love would be me not doing the thing that, that I could do to love and serve you. The to withhold that is actually not loving. Yep. Ouch. Hmm. Yeah. And then the verse after that, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy. The kisses of an enemy are excessive. Interesting that they trustworthy and excessive are kind of the like contrasting. Yeah. I don't think... Excessive doesn't yeah, feel like I, the the converse of trustworthy. Yeah, excessive is like oh a lot. Yeah. trustworthy has to do with something completely different. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. They don't feel like opposites. No, nah. I think that whatever um, translation I grew up memorizing that was faithful are the wounds of a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thrust is the same, of course. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's when you um, evaluate. Okay. Who in my life do I trust and do I welcome correction from? Because it does yeah. not have to be everybody. Because you're going to get correction yeah. from the internet. You're going to get, I mean, like, you open correction will come from all, all directions. But the wounds that come from a friend, those are the ones that I can know will be faithful. Yeah. Yeah, I think I receive correction best from people, yeah, that I know love me. Mm-hmm that I know know me know mm-hmm. um, and that whose life I also value and trust because I know that their correction is really coming from, you know, somebody who is walking by the spirit. And it's like, you know, you know, you got those friends where it's like you prayed before you came to me. Yeah. You yeah. know, like you, you, you saw God on my behalf before. It wasn't impulsive. It didn't feel yeah. like you corrected me out of a sense of ego or self-righteousness. It was a, a true concern for my soul and my heart for me to be a better person. And when we talk so. about the wounds of a friend, I don't know that the friend delights in inflicting the wound. You, like no. it, it is. And like you said, like this is not impulsive. This is something mm. that is difficult to deliver, in, but done in love. I also want to back up and say that I don't think that it is exclusively people who know us. I think that like yeah. we can see examples in scripture and we can see that a person who is walking with the Lord, I have been um, lovingly corrected by people that I don't know. It is most common and uh, I, I would argue maybe most effective to be corrected in love by a person who I know and who knows me, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there are saints all around and and mm-hmm. and there are saints who you can you can smell the aroma of Christ on them when they lovingly um carefully have prayed before you know like i think that yeah. this can exist 
in addition outside of like a, a real core circle. Um, but I, I would respond most quickly, most immediately to someone in, in, in my core circle. Yeah. Because I'm corrected on Instagram all, all the, the time. time. But, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't. But you I don't know me. Know yeah. But, yeah. But, the, but I have received thoughts or ideas or questions or suggestions that were given in such a helpful way. Yeah, see? That I don't know this person from Bubba. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was actually really good for me. Yeah. And um, I remember talking to, uh, I don't know who I was talking to, but I was, I was saying how a lot of the stuff in corrections I received, even from social media or YouTube, have actually shaped and tempered how I communicate on social media, mm-hmm. you know? And so it really has helped me in, mm-hmm. in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a really good way, in a way that you just wouldn't imagine because, you know, people would say, oh, they're just haters. It's like, no, the Holy Spirit uses strangers too. And exactly. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. the delivery is terrible, but there's truth there, yeah. you know? And so yeah. I think that another thing that I've learned is to look for the truth in the statement that maybe wasn't delivered um, mm-hmm. yeah. in a kind way or in a gentle way, that sometimes there is still a lot of truth to look for in a, in a in correction. Well, and sometimes this correction also comes just directly from the Holy Spirit yeah. and from yeah. the Word. Yeah. And it's, it's, good. it's one of the reasons that we, as followers of Jesus, can't neglect reading God's Word. Mm-hmm. Proverbs three eleven through 12, do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. And you know that is love because in my experience as a parent, I would rather not discipline my kids. Like the path of it's least resistance in the moment is not discipline. <laughs> yeah. That it takes so much love and intention uh-huh. to sit down and have a discipling conversation or to, you know, take away a privilege that's going to impact me just as much as it will them. It, their discipline is, parenting has taught me that disciplining is more an act of love than I realized when it was just me walking with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Amanda, you're the one that keeps bringing all the good Proverbs. Like, we just keep talking, and you're going like, yeah, but listen, <laughs> Proverbs 3. <laughs> Read, listen to the Word. Well, the well, I don't want us to get to the end of our time and not discuss. I mean, we've, we've already made it through four of these. I'm very proud of us. Yeah. Good, good work, girls. Um, but I don't want us to not get to day 19, mm-hmm. um, Proverbs about the tongue, because, I mean, ouch, <laughs> very convicting. But I also, I just want to talk about words for a little. We are three people who really value words. Mm-hmm. Um, and scripture tells us that words matter. Like James 3, mm-hmm. with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing comes out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. The tongue matters. What The words yeah. we say, they have eternal weight. Yeah. Yep. Or any of what? Which of these speaks? Uh, where should we start here, <laughs> Jackie? It really feels like we could just put our finger down. I think even verse nineteen, when there are many words, sin is unavoidable. Yes. But the one who controls his lips is prudent. And uh, one thing I've observed about older wise people in my life is that they—it's either two things: they don't say a lot. 
yet when they say it, it's a lot. You yep. know, even even in a, a little bit of words, it's like, oh, that was fire. Yeah. Or <laughs> they take their time to say things. They're not in a rush to communicate ideas or truths or convictions or their wisdom or their knowledge. And so there's just this 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 patience. Yeah. And this this wisdom and this gentleness when it comes to mm-hmm. them that I admire because I don't see it often in myself, often enough, or even in my generation, especially a generation where words are kind of everywhere all the time. Yeah. Everywhere all the time. <laughs> I, Amanda, you were asking what of the of this day's reading yeah. stuck out to us. Proverbs 13, verse 3. Yes. The one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. So we can talk oh. about adultery and say, like, here's what will invite life, here's what will invite ruin. Mm-hmm. But then we're here just talking about how we use, whether we open or close our lips, and how in the same way we can invite life or ruin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This got me thinking about um, the way that God uses his words <laughs> and how, I mean, God's words, God uses his words to create, um, he uses his words to covenant yeah. with us, to call. Um, to announce, to correct, yeah, <laughs> and and other things. I mean, that's not an exhaustive list, but just like in thinking about the power of words. I mean, this instruction, these proverbs are the word of the Lord, yeah, and mm-hmm. and this is coming from a God who chose to bring the world into existence by His words, mm-hmm. and and who is known as the Word. I mean, right, right, yeah, yeah. Because how did Jesus use his words? Yeah, to teach, to heal, mm-hmm. to restore, to rebuke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it just matters. I just it words words matter. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's not. No, that's good. Profound. I, There's a lot of uh, occurrences of the word righteous in this in some of these readings. So sure. yeah, it's interesting. What do you guys think about that? Like here in chapter ten. Um, Verse 20, the tongue of the righteous is pure silver. The heart of the wicked is of little value. Verse 21, the Mm. lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Verse 31, Mm. the mouth of the righteous produces wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. Yikes. That reminds me of Isaiah 6 a lot, just how, you know, when Isaiah saw God uh, on his throne, you know, and the angels saying, holy, 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 how... There was a connection between his mouth and his his morality, you know, his ethics. Like, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among people. So I, there, I think there will always be this kind of companionship between how we speak and what we say and who we are and how we live. I don't, I don't think they can be separate, yeah. you know. What's, what's the passage? Is that Proverbs? Out of the, <laughs> the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Is that Proverbs? I feel like I think that's Psalm. I don't know. We're gonna we'll look it up. That's okay. That that's okay that we don't know. But yeah, the overflow of the heart. It's in the Bible. Absolutely. I I know the verse, but I I can't think of the address. (laughs) It's in the Bible. Yeah. But yeah, it's as I've grown, how I talk has changed. But also, as, as I continue to speak, it's always I have to work backwards and say, why did I say that? 
why did I say it that way? What is in me that would compel me mm-hmm. to say these things? You know, and it, and I think it helps you to to really do an interrogation of your own heart, yeah, um, and your own righteousness. Because yeah, do we get righteousness in Christ? Sure, but we're still called to you know work on our holiness. Mm-hmm. If you yeah, will. it's both. It's both. We hold. We hold both. We we were talking about wearing. You know. Um, being clothed in strength, and we're also clothed in the righteousness of Christ, but we also mm-hmm. are called to be be perfect as I am perfect, mm-hmm. says, mm-hmm. says Jesus. So, this week has been maybe more difficult to walk through than the one about Proverbs about God or Proverbs in the inner life because this Proverbs about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. Like, I'm grateful for it. And if the aim of this book, of the book of Proverbs, not just our study book, but the book of Proverbs itself is to impart wisdom, um, mm-hmm. I think that what we have found in each of the five days that we covered this week is wisdom that um, inspires us, wisdom that convicts us. Yeah. Um, and Amanda, you were saying, like, it's a journey. It, so what we're doing is, like, growing in wisdom, walking in wisdom. Yeah. I and, mean, because it's not like we have it now. Oh, good. Right. Got those topics Because covered. so much of it also comes from life experience. And this is yeah. why it's a father speaking to a son, because there is more life experience. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we can be grateful for that. But I, I think it's just I'm thankful for this week. And I'm thankful mm-hmm. um, to be, you know, to, to sit down and kind of have to look at topics that I don't typically look at or to find wisdom in these things. And then um, to be genuinely excited to mm-hmm. to walk in wisdom, walk in the wisdom that I've yeah. learned. What I like about this conversation is that it's not... It's not easy <laughs> to to always, you know, to look. I think this is a, a good, this is representative of what it's often like to to walk with the Lord and to be a student of Scripture because there, you know, there are tough passages. We're not going to have complete understanding at first, second, 100th reading. <laughs> and yeah. I would love to just leave our our people with um, some insight from you. What goes through Jackie Hill Perry's mind <laughs> when you're reading some of these passages where, you know, like you, you were saying before we hit record um, that like, you know, how did you put it about Proverbs um, that you're like, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about Proverbs. Well, I mean, yeah. neither do we. I mean, we're learning. Yeah. We've spent the last yeah. few weeks learning. But like, how do you just in the way you approach scripture? Can you just give us some encouragement and like how? What does that look like for you? One thing that really keeps me uh, motivated is just knowing that God's word is God's word. <laughs> yeah. That it's God breathed. But with that, that I'm not just reading anything. You know, I'm reading something that is profitable for me. And so that includes the things that I don't think are profitable, (laughs) the stuff that doesn't feel good or perhaps doesn't make sense. Y'all mentioned how y'all were uh, in Daniel and somebody might think the first few chapters were saw stories, you know, with uh, Daniel or the king seeing 
like floating hands and stuff. It's like, oh, that's interesting. That feels profitable. I can take something from that. But then when we get into these super prophetic apocalyptic passages, it can feel unprofitable only because it doesn't make sense. And so I think it loosens me up to say, no, everything here is a good thing. Um, And not just a good thing for my own sanctification and not just a good thing for my soul, but a good thing because I see God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I get to get to know God. And in knowing God, I just get to live a better life because of it. And not better as in no suffering, but better as in I have the one who I was made for in the midst of whatever it is I go through. So yeah, that's always in my head every time I open up the Bible that this is God breathed, therefore authoritative, but this is also profitable. Yeah. And as we're reading, it's not necessarily the the profit the benefit is not necessarily immediately apparent mm-hmm. you know like it is mm-hmm. um it like we've said like it takes time mm-hmm. like you can mm-hmm. read it now knowing that this this relationship with the lord and this relationship with god's word and learning from god's word is a long game mm-hmm. yeah um and it's yeah well i'm i'm so encouraged that you're willing to dive into Probably the hardest of our four weeks of Proverbs. <laughs> Was it? We'll see. We'll see. If if it felt very practical. It is practical. I, I love that. I like I, I always yeah. appreciate when scripture is clear. Yeah. Um uh-huh. and I, I, so it is really practical and I like it too. Yeah. yeah. Well next week we talk about money, so oof. Yeah, that'll get practical. Oh, I'm glad y'all don't have me on that. My goodness. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate y'all for having me, though. This was this was fun. Yeah. Well, Jackie, we spent an hour uh, opening up the book of Proverbs and talking about the beauty, goodness, and truth we found there. But now I would love to just turn it. It's so fun to turn it to our guests and say, Jackie, where in your life are you mm-hmm. seeing beauty, goodness, and or truth that compels you to worship? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I made a post about this on Instagram recently. Um, about a year and a half ago, uh, life was obviously different for everybody. Um, and I was incredibly busy and I had a friend who kept telling me like, you need help, you know? Um, and then I, I followed some people who talked a lot about how the family structure, the family system, uh, today is so much different. Like family was a thing back then. Like like people helped each other, you know, it wasn't so separate. And so what ended up happening is my mother ended up moving in with me. And initially, I only thought that I needed her help just kind of like when I go on teaching trips and events and things like that. But then pandemic hit. I got pregnant and life slowed down, but life still intensified in a different way um, because both of my children are home all of the time. I'm home all of the time. And then this pregnancy was just incredibly just much harder (laughs) than any of my other pregnancies. And she has been so helpful, washing dishes, cleaning stuff. Or she organized our garage just oh, because nice, when she does laundry, she, she's just super type A. Um, and the other night I started to cry because I said, God, you knew I needed her in particular. Like you provided help. Yeah. And and so I think that's where I see beauty. It, it, I don't know. It might feel minor to somebody else, but that it felt like God, it just felt like God was being a really good father by allowing my mother to be present with me in this season. Cause I just don't know what I would have done. I would have made it through, 
but it, it would have been hard. Yeah. Because I wasn't specific. I didn't say my mama yeah. or family member. <laughs> yeah. Or I didn't say a long season. I didn't say in light of pregnancy, can you send right, help? Right, right. But he, he knew specifically what, what, I, I love that. what we would need. And her so. willingness to to do that and and to serve. There's so much beauty in that. That encourages me. Even let me add a little another little caveat. I got in the bed uh, the other night and my sheets were clean because they felt clean. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. You felt a clean sheet. And so I, I, I text Press and I said, did you clean the sheets? Because I just would be surprised sure. if you did. <laughs> he was like, no, your mother did. And I texted her. I said, thank you for the sheets. She was like, I want you to be as comfortable as possible uh, during your third trimester. And I was just like... She's just finding ways to make my life easy. That, so, I mean, really clean sweet. sheets alone are beauty, goodness, and truth. Yeah, they are. Oh, my word. I love a clean sheet. You sleep better. You sleep better. Mm-hmm. You do. Yeah. You roll over and your feet feel and good. And they feel fresh. <laughs> 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 oh, so. Well, Jackie, thank you again for joining us this week. Um we just have so much respect for you, and we're so grateful for you. You're a delight. You are a delight. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see y'all in, in, in real, real life. real life, when's that going to happen? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. One day. So n- yeah. next week, it's the the work and wealth week, grand finale. Yeah, <laughs> and our friend Angie Smith is going to come, and um, it's also our fiftieth episode. Did you know that? Is it really? Oh, I wow. Think so. wow. With Angie Smith, yeah. That, that y'all just, have done a lot of these. Listen, um, so next week we have Angie coming. We'll wrap up the Proverbs series. But Jackie, until next week, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles. <laughs>